I'm Murphy, John Murphy. And I'm Humes, Christian Humes. And I'm Murphy, Ryan Murphy. And you're listening to Watch World. Thank you, everybody. Welcome to Watch World. This is our James Bond end of movie watch top <laughs> extravaganza where we will be going through our top three category or top three choices in each of these categories coming up uh so we thank you for sticking with us through all 25 plus two two movies outside the eon productions uh uh you know out of the wheelhouse which was a fun wild ride outside of that um but joining us back, he joined us for all the Pierce Brosnan movies from Murph's Movie Trivia. You heard him up front. It's Ryan Murphy. Welcome back. Thank you very much, John. Uh, and thank you, Christian, for both having me on the show again. Uh, it's such a delight. Um, very excited to do this list and episode today. Um, I have, <clears throat> excuse me, I've never done a top anything list before uh, for my podcast. We just, I just obviously go over brief opinions of movies and we've talked about the Brosnan's opinions, but this is different because, you know, it's the pinnacle of something. It's the best of the best. And it's really hard to whittle it down and justify why you're choosing this. And I'm excited to see what you guys choose. Yeah. I'm excited too. Um, we originally were going to do top five, but then we kind of it's uh, over our text message discussions, realize that that might be too many choices uh, we all we show. all enjoy these conversations so much that when ryan's on the episodes somehow they go twice as long <laughs> so we Which decided is, to go top three that's yeah and it's never been a problem it was just kind of like i think if we do john was like i think if we do top fives this is going to take hours well, and hours so i, I think like, it was ryan's right. one that, that brought up that suggestion <laughs> oh, you, you, you basically did the rain true, man though. math thing where you kind of calculated out how long it would take to go through each one then basically be a three-hour episode um, yep if we if we really went full the full you know full yeah. yard on that i think gambit. we i think we would have loved it but i we're just trying to save our audience some time but we got to keep our followers you know got to keep them listening I, still uh, there. I did also want to give a quick tribute. We'll be doing honorable mentions with our categories, but I want to give a quick honorable mention to Q Branch because he came by and dropped off a sick mic for me. So hopefully my oh, audio yeah. quality is uh, much better for this episode too. Oh, it does. It sounds great. It's Thank awesome. You. I'm glad that Q uh, was able to kind of come back, come into the field. And yeah, he's helping us every day. <laughs> he's just like hanging out in your house. <laughs> You know, just uh, I don't I don't know if I'd mind that because I'd get like a new gadget every day. That's true. And then he but then he would just scold you for being like, oh 007. Just, <laughs> come on. I, I could live with that. That was pretty good. Um, all right. So you know, we're recording this based at the end of 2020, start of 2021. Just also want to do a shout out. Uh, we lost Sean Connery oh. this past year. Mm -hmm. um, we lost Honor Blackman. We lost recently Tanya Roberts, um, who died, then didn't die, and then died again. It was kind of sad and tragic. But, um, you know, so lost a bunch. we've lost quite a few people from these movies over the last five years or so. And particularly this last year was pretty hard for the Bond franchise, at least the classic ones. So pour one out for uh, Mr. Sean Connery. Uh, you know, the OG, the legend. You know, 
was very heartbreaking. I saw on Instagram you posted just him against the uh, the DB5, uh, yeah. yeah, the DB5, and I was like, oh yeah, nice photo. And then I scrolled a little more. I'm like, oh no, and <laughs> so yeah, it's been a hard year. Yeah, so that's you know, good luck on the other other side, Sean. We'll uh, see you when we get there. You know, and I just a very tiny piece of news and okay. some more happy news which I was talking to Ryan about right before we started recording. We're pregnant. No, but <laughs> I, we last recorded Ryan a couple months ago, talked a lot about growing up playing GoldenEye in 64. And finally, after a long time, they are making a new James Bond and a new Perfect Dark, the spiritual successor. That's right. Like, very excited about that. So the, there's there's more uh, Bond to come in the future. So that's uh, that's exciting. We're, we're just going to jump in now. We're, we're starting. Let's just jump in, you know. Honestly, um, we're starting with, I think, one of the hardest things. This so is the one that I went back to and edited multiple times. Yeah, this one, it was hard, but also not hard. I don't know. Our first category is actually Bonds themselves, our Bond actors. So, you know, basically anyone that's donned the suit, this is the category that probably has the least amount of options to choose from. You know, you have Connery, you have Lazenby, you have Moore, you have Dalton, you got Brosnan, you got Craig. Did I miss anybody? No, I think, I, I think, I think that's, that's it. All right, so... I'm going to let Ryan start okay. because he is our guest. Well, thank you. Um, so we agreed that we would do a honorable mention, a fourth or, you know, yeah. right behind. Someone who just was outside the top three for you. And for me, it was uh, Roger Moore. Uh, okay. Nothing gets to. Uh, I, so in summing up my view of the Bonds, I think the Bonds are much closer in comparison than I think people may give them. Oh, yeah. Um, so I Which think is why this is so hard. Yes, <laughs> it, it is a very close list. Uh, but my number three is Pierce Bronson um, in getting on the show and rewatching them. Uh, I enjoyed his performance a lot. Uh, specifically, I think of Goldeneye uh, through our talks. I think he did have a lot more to offer to Bond than I think the writers or directors gave him as he kind of just dealt with it in the later films and GoldenEye I think he delivered his version of Bond and I loved it wanted more of it and I loved him being a part of the franchise I think he had a good impact and he's my three great Christian I'll let you go next ah oh, man I wish this was I could just put them all in order but top three I'm just gonna have to give a special shout out um here this is going to sound nuts. You have to give a special shout out to Daniel Craig first as an honorable mention. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, a special shout out also to Lazenby, not for being right behind Craig, but just because until I had seen uh, Niven as Bond in the <laughs> non-neon production Bond, which John and I just watched, <laughs> watch, um, I didn't ever think anyone could be worse. So, <laughs> so shout out to Lazenby for now not being my... The, the only bond that I disliked. Uh, but yeah, so Daniel Craig, my my number three, just edging out Daniel Craig, is Timothy Dalton. Ooh. And the first, and it's so, it was such a weird thing to pick, I'm sure, because there's only two movies with him. And the first one, he doesn't have like much of the Bond charisma. Yeah. It doesn't really come into the second one. But this, like, Pretty much every Bond has at least one bad Bond movie. You know, all yeah. of them do. And his second one is 
one of my absolute favorites. And if we had more like that second one, like he could have been the top of my list. We were but supposed he, to get a third Dalton movie, but we didn't get it. So. But then we got Goldeneye, so yeah. it kind of worked out. You <laughs> it know, out. But worked yeah. out this way. If we uh, had more with him, he probably could have been number one because that's how much I liked that uh, him in that second movie. Yeah, actually, so he for me, he actually was my honorable mention. Dalton was uh, just because he is kind of the moody stepchild of the franchise um, that like didn't has kind of lost to time. People kind of forget about him a little bit. Uh, he was Bond, but he legit is like a pretty good Bond. It just He's not as romantic as the other ones. It's there's there are some like key things missing from his movies that I think are more commonly known others, and I think that's why people forget him. But I he was my honorable mention on that one. My number three is Roger Moore because I wow. think he is such a just a imprint on the franchise, and he is so enjoyable to watch sometimes. Not all the time. He's not perfect, but. I think he is one of my favorite to just watch in general. Um, mm-hmm. Even when the movies were just absolutely batshit crazy. It's like he's so charming and just so, you know, like, seems like he's just having a good time. Sometimes I want that in a Bond. Sometimes I want him to, mm-hmm. I, I want Bond to have fun. Seem like I ha- like have a little more on the fun side. And I think he brings a little bit of a, you know, I think, a realization that these movies are they're they're thrillers or spy movies but you they don't have to necessarily be moody and serious all the time you can have a little bit of fun with them um and and he can also get serious when he wants to but yeah so many iconic things come out of his movies and uh so that's why i put more as my number three sounds good i i do find him to be a delight so i uh it's my honorable mention um and so <laughs> my number two is daniel craig um i think of there's the sleek bond. And I think Daniel Craig is this great modern version of the bond. He, yeah. I think knocks out of the park. He's very much bond, but he breaks the edges a little bit. He's more relatable to the audience. Um, I think of a, casino Royale is the best version of him. I think just because it was the new reboot with him and it's amazing. And he just takes everything bond did and just makes it wonderful. Um, so he's my number two. My number two, uh, John just pretty much perfectly encapsulated is Roger Moore. Ooh, yeah. Uh, there, there's very little I really have to add to everything you said. He really exemplifies a lot of the things um, that Bond should like inhibit. But the one thing you didn't add, which is the one thing I think no other Bond has done as well as him, is he has that espionage brain. He was really good at like recalling information yes. and like actually being like, like it was like the writers remembered that James Bond was a spy. So they were like, oh, let's make Roger Moore actually really smart from time to time too. Yeah. And he had like that photographic memory. So uh, that that is the thing that bumped him up. He's my second favorite. Yeah, he's a walking library of information. Yeah. So You're like Bond, what's this thing? Huh? Oh, <laughs> yes. let me go five minutes discussing what this is tell you without any setup uh but um so my number two is daniel craig as well i think that was yours ryan um you know because i think just the modern movies for the most part are very very good and he's very very good in them i think he kind of he he takes what connery was which was kind of like soldier bonds like a big brutish you know, just kind of big guy 
but I think is just has it's like that the English bulldog, English bulldog English gentleman, but, you know. But he has the softer side, and I think he's had the the best chemistry also of any actor for the most part. I think, um, you know, up the, up there. So I think he's got the he's got a, a really good best of both worlds in a lot of ways. He can do the action stuff. And he can have the sort of the emotional, sentimental stuff as well. And so I think he he definitely has, I think, and he's in the, in the modern movies and he does some of the best action stuff. So um, yeah, that's why Craig's my number two. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, he does those action scenes probably the best out of all the Bonds. Um, but so for my number one, uh, you can't have a great modern play on the classic if you don't have the classic and i think this is going to be a reoccurring theme for me in my lists but sean connery is my number one he is the standard of bond he just nails the look even if you didn't tell me what james bond was i probably would think of something like james or sean connery's version um he looks smooth he's sharp deep voice um very firm um (laughs) but (laughs) <laughs> I, I just i he, uh, yeah i i have no complaints with john connery and so he's my number one. No, oh, yeah it's i felt i don't have him as my in my top three list so i felt bad but i'm glad that he made yeah. it to your top list i was wondering i almost paused and was like do we all have the same person for number one and i was like no i bet someone put sean connery <laughs> actually um <laughs> but i'm glad i'm glad that I, like, he's he's good so. My guess then, based on what you just said, John, is that we both have Pierce Brosnan because I do. certainly do have Pierce Brosnan because as John said, when we got up to Pierce Brosnan, he's sort of our generation's Bond. And yes. I don't know if that's why he's my favorite. But when I think James Bond, I still see Sean, like I see his face, you know, uh, he has he he's smooth, like he's charming, but he also seems like he can do a lot of the spy stuff that he tries to do. He doesn't seem um, like they just got a pretty boy and put him up there. So I, to me, he's uh, the perfect version of, I, I feel like he's just in the way that you said um, that like Daniel Craig is kind of like an advanced version of Connery in a way. Yeah. Pierce Brosnan to me is an advanced version of Roger Moore. Who yeah. We've, we've discussed that before of him feeling like he his movies are a little bit an updated modern version of more movies and, and yeah that, and that fits and so i you know yeah so he's not number one two one because i think yeah uh when i came in it my first bond movie was a brosnan movie obviously because of GoldenEye game just in the, just in the era we're in he looks the most like as described in the book he's also kind of him and more and maybe dalton just kind of fit that mold where they think they, mm-hmm. they fit in better whereas like craig and connery although they're great in real life they would stand out as spies because they're these big brit and brutish guys yeah you know they wouldn't make i don't know if they make necessarily make great spies so um he's disarming which i feel like you need to be able to be to but be a spy. he can like fuck you up too yeah when he needs to <laughs> and i think what sold it to me and i, th- I brought this up in our tomorrow never dies discussion the part where he's, you know, in the final finale in the, in, on the ship and he's like able to just like walk with two guns and like fire <laughs> and like just like doing crazy action stuff. I'm like, that's what sold it for me as the top bond. So that's what solidified. <laughs> it coming down, I mean, between the, the three of us, the fact that it, it came down to Sean Connery and Pierce Brosnan, that makes total sense to me. Because I feel like if you were going to pick 
a Daniel Craig, you would definitely pick Sean Connery over Daniel Craig. You know, like yeah. I feel like they're both the better versions in in a way of uh, what they went for. Just because he's the and, classic, it's Coke classic. And I would say, giving a little context for our listeners in case they haven't been up to date, like for me growing up, I started with Connery. So to yeah. me, Connery is the start. Whereas I think both of you were introduced in the Brazen era and people tend to gravitate towards yeah. whoever they first saw as their. Yeah. Uh, it's like, they, like Brazen's our mother because it was like when our eyes first opened, he's what we saw, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> so we, you know, we imprint into onto him. And then for you, Connery, Connery. imprinted. So. I know I had seen some of the older ones like on VHS, but I was not paying attention when I was younger. Like, I, I think I just didn't care until Goldeneye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very possible. Okay. So we're going to move on to our next category, which is top three gadgets. So those are gadgets Ooh. that are used in the movies, um, either by Bond or by, you know, given to him or around him in some way. Um, so I'll go first and on this the, go around so we don't have the same three in order um first i want to do an honorable mention to the ghetto blaster oh from that's my living honorable daylights. mention <laughs> the I which one use it but it's from the living daylights it's the oh. the rocket boom box uh, mm-hmm. thing that q is demonstrating <laughs> mm-hmm. so i i just i couldn't put it in my top list because it's just kind of stupid but i wanted to put it in my uh you know honorable mention so um for my number three I'm going with the slot machine ring from Diamonds Are Forever oh, that Q okay. uses to rig slot machines before he's kicked <laughs> out of Vegas. That's I, a good one. It's a fun thing that doesn't make any sense, but, and I just like it. I, I was like thinking, I, it was really hard to come up with some gadgets that I really liked throughout the movies because a lot of them are very simple. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so for the, for me, is like my three are the most that I think have the biggest impression of thinking about them and just thinking, okay, like I think these are great. Um, and so for, for number three for me is the slot machine ring. Uh, who wants to go next? We could just stick with the same order we were going just so that we don't. Okay. Well, I went first. So, um, but then so uh, do I'll we... go. I'll go. There you go. So yeah, yeah, for yeah. my gadgets, um, my overall general thought process for this is uh, I tended to think of the gadgets that were not over the top, but probably the most practical in the field. And yeah were probably reusable and just made sense. Um, so my honorable mention is the cigarette rocket in You Only Live Twice. Um, I wanted to make it like number three, but it was given by Tiger. I didn't know if that was going to be a restriction because it wasn't no, by I think, I think it. I think it, you know, I think we're pretty loose with these rules. I, yeah, I, right. I, I, yeah, get, yeah. I gave some rules to you guys, but like we're pretty loose. But uh, so that's my honorable mention. Um, my number three is going to be the wrist gun in Moonraker. Um, I always thought it was cool just <laughs> at a whim. It was like readily available to at any time dart someone. He yeah. uses it to get out of the machine and then kill tracks at the end. So it's like one of few gadgets he gets that he gets to use twice in a movie because usually everything's just a one off. Yep. So that's cool. And it's, uh, I like how he has the armor piercing rounds and the poison tipped rounds. But you never see him switch him out, and yep. somehow he just has the right one for the right moment. So he, mm-hmm. he has the armor-piercing one for, it and he needs to stop the machine. Yeah. Did he like <laughs> sit on the bathroom? Is like I'm going to load five poison and then five armor, or every other one? I mean, maybe he just assumed I'm going to need the armor first. Yeah. And then I'll after that I'll use the poison because I might pretty close to Draxon for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That 
the uh the wrist dart watch and the ghetto blaster were both my honorable mentions which is hilarious um <laughs> but the reason and the reason i didn't pick the ghetto blaster is because bond doesn't ever actually use it q yeah. shows it off and then that's why so i'm yeah, like well yeah. i can't use this um but in that same vein the cigarette rocket launcher from you only live twice <laughs> because it's a cigarette so it's not a rocket first of all <laughs> it's 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 like it's like a, it's like a tiny little like missile it's basically like a jet propelled bullet uh is essentially what it is um but yeah it's just it's the for me the gadgets um i tried to pick as you said like things that work in the field uh ryan but i also i tried to get a diverse set so for this one this to me was one of the like most ridiculous weapons but in a way that like oh well it just looks like an ordinary box of cigarettes so like no one would know like something a spy would have even mm-hmm. though it's completely absurd um so that is my number 3 my number 2 is the mini rocket cigarettes <laughs> yes. as well <laughs> um, fan favorite yeah it just you know watching it again i watched that scene again it's great um it now is going to make me paranoid whenever i see someone standing with a cigarette kind of pointed at me like lighted and just like, oh, is it going to go off and shoot at me for a second? But um, instead of, you know, it's great. But um, wh- we, Christian and I just watched the 1967 Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. And Woody Allen does the same thing. Oh, man. And, this mo- and Woody Allen movie came out like two months earlier than You Only Live Did Twice. He, so he directed that one? No, it's he's accident. it. Oh, oh, crazy. Yeah, you should... It's wild. You gotta watch yeah. this. Yeah, movie. I haven't seen this. Oh, you okay. gotta watch this. Movie. There's a part where where Woody Allen, who plays Jimmy Bond, uh, James Bond's nephew, American nephew. Yes, I heard he's about in the Jimmy South Bond. America somewhere, and he's about to get like, um, he's lined up to be a shooting a firing squad. And he's like, oh, can I just have a can I just have a cigarette, please? And then um, he's given <laughs> a cigarette and he lights it, and then it explodes at the, all the people, and then he jumps over the wall. I'm like, and so I I found that funny that it's like. Two months later, we see the rocket cigarette that Tiger gives Bond. In the that's same. Awesome. It's like same concept, mm-hmm. but I yeah. so funny. So, that's my number two. Uh, my number two um, is going to be the briefcase from from Russia with Love. Um, I thought it is just like think about it. What it, it was like 1965. So you got an everyday item now obsolete. I don't think anyone carries briefcase, but it's putting a lot of crazy stuff into a regular thing and it's all hidden very well and you got a throwing knife you got a folding sniper rifle you got money you got a self-defense smoke bomb it's the whole package in a package it's and a spy could use it every day i thought it was great uh that's my number two my number two and this one i actually wasn't sure if if, because it we didn't have we have cars is the next category, not vehicles. Yeah. But I was like, well, this is a car. I think vehicles as well. Can Well, it's too late now because it's, <laughs> it's in my gadgets. Um, it's the crocodile boat. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's this is a gadget. gadget. That's a gadget. This I mean, would be. Oh, go ahead. What? I, no, but I'm glad that you agree. It's a gadget because I was I was torn. I was like, is it a car? Is it, no. I wasn't sure. Nah. It. uh it seems like the most silly, ludicrous thing. It seems like a joke, but like the military uses stuff like this. Like oh, yeah. they, 
they dress up vehicles and stuff like it's this. It's no different than a ghillie suit. It's just your ghillie suit is a crocodile. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's a gator suit. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I, I thought it was so funny. And when you see it in the movie, it looks so ridiculous, even though it's actually like a legitimate concept. <laughs> so I had to, I had to do it because it's, it's really like the most low tech thing in many ways. But I love it for that reason. Yeah, no, I mean, I was always, every time I see that scene where he pulls up in that thing, I keep thinking, like, is water going <laughs> to spill into that thing where he's like laying <laughs> yeah. into and he's all wet? But, uh, you know. it, it's like open. I'm like, how doesn't it just sink? How does yeah. he get into it? That thing is know. like slender as you and um, Raj had to help him in there that like <laughs> laying down in there and built it around him. But um, so my number one is the laser watch from GoldenEye. Um, I think it's a very iconic thing and it's great you can kind of melt through anything or burn through anything if you need to tunnel your way out of a situation mm-hmm. um so it's you know not much else to say about it other than it's great and it's it's just i wish it was used more so uh i feel like how you guys felt about choosing how i chose sean connery as my number one i'm glad you chose at least the watch maybe christian did for your number one because i didn't put it in i felt bad for not including it um because <laughs> I felt like classic. my number one was the pen uh, from oh. Golden Eye. Oh, Alani been waiting to do that. <laughs> yes, yes. I, um, I I got a pen twirl in my hand because of this. Uh, I spent years practicing how to twirl the pen. I can do it forwards and backwards. The key is wow. without the thumb. But the pen from Golden Eye, it's just it just explodes. But at such a critical moment, the tension in that scene is great. I feel like, so when I think of Bond, I think of like Sean Connery typically for like classic iconic moments. I feel like this pen is a symbol of like our generation of an iconic Bond moment. And I'm happy for that. So the pen is my number one. All right. That's a so, really good one. That's a really good one. Um, I, I also have the gold and I watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also have the goal that I watch. Uh, I, I thought mean, about classic. the pen and then I forgot about it. I, in retrospect, I would have probably actually even knocked off cigarette. That's a very good one. It's almost like the the way that comes into movies, almost like a Duix Machina. It's like, it, it, that's so crazy. Um, Golden I watch, as John said, classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that's, that's all that needs to be said about it. Everybody knows what it is. You know, everyone knows what I, that watch face is. <laughs> while I was considering the watch, I did just eBay pulled up uh, an ad, uh, a, a 1966 Rolex Submariner watch uh, is going for 49000 on eBay right now. Whoa. So did you bought it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> my check went to it. Okay, got it. Cool. <laughs> Perfect. All right, we're going to move over to our next category, which is cars and vehicles. Um, So I basically told you guys it could be any vehicle or car that Bond drives and doesn't necessarily have to be one that Q gives him. I must have just not read that and just deleted the description, which is why I was like, okay, it's just going to be cars. Here we go. (laughs) Um, Um, I think uh, there's only one thing for me that'll make it not a car, but um, that's, that's about it. So uh, who wants to go number first? Well, I'll start this one now. Um, uh, I didn't have any honorable mentions, so I'm just going to jump right in. Number three, the submarine Lotus from The Spy Who Loved Me. I mean, it's It's one of the most iconic James Bond cars. 
you know, like it's just plain and simple. Everybody knows what it is. You watch that car go into the water, keeps driving, goes underwater. It's super cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a great car. Uh, for the first Tesla brand model was uh, a Lotus. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Elon Musk loved it, and then he he used that as the prototype. Right. So, because he's crazy. He's a yeah, crazy. He's guy. a psycho. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ryan, do you want to go next? Sure. Uh, so I had an honorable mention only because the rule was Bond had to drive it and Bond didn't drive this car, but I absolutely love this and I'm highly considering buying it. It is the 1973 Chevy Impala that um, <laughs> Kanga's uh, henchman drove in Live Ooh, and Let Die. Okay, it's yeah. black and I white. I was like, wait a second now. Yeah, where are you going with this? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just, that is, that's a I great love car. It. it looks so good. Um, but moving on, my number three is also the Lotus E-Spirit. Uh, I believe they call it Wet Nelly. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. They call it Wet Nelly. I looked at when I was looking at the the wiki. I was like, oh, Wet Nelly. I'm like, I don't remember saying that. Saying that. Yeah, because in You Only Live Twice, they had the little Nelly yeah. of the helicopter. Um, and then I just I loved it that it was not only a Bond car that destroyed things on land, but could do it underwater too. So that's yeah. my number three. Um, so my number three is the Aston Martin V8 Vantage from the Living Daylights. It's the one that kind of looks like a Mustang. I just like the way this car looks. It just like and it has has the skis. It can go on on ice. It has like the things to like drive around on snow. Um, it's just a cool looking car. I don't have any more to say. I just wanted to do something a little bit different with my vehicles. Um, and so I like I, I would have this car advantage. Heck yeah. So. My number two, the invisible car from James Bond's <laughs> die another day because it's gotta be man. It's such a joke in the James Bond world, but it's, it's uh, realistically not completely absurd in the realm of technology. I mean, in, in the way that they show it, of course it is, but um, I just like that they went with like, all right, we've put like in, in, in your imagination, cause you remember all the James Bond movies, it's like, oh, they're all these cars have gadgets and all the Bond movies have so many gadgets, but really they all only have like a couple of things. And I like that in this movie, they were like, screw it. We're just going to load this up with every single thing we can conceive of this car having. Yeah. It's like self-driving, picking them up, homing like launchers or rockets and machine guns. It was awesome. It was super cool. So they call it, they called it the Aston Martin Vanquish V12. Oh, the Vanquish I don't think it was V12. ever actually made. I think it was a prototype only. So, oh. it's cool. it so my number two, uh, nothing gadget heavy special in it, but it's the Ford Fairlane from Die Another Day when uh, Brosnan just rolls into Cuba. Uh, it's like oh, a tan. You're like, you're, oh. you're like in your old cars. Yeah. Oh. Um, I looked this up and this is going for like 40k. So this is a realistic possibility <laughs> that, you know, for a car that seems reasonably priced. It's um, less than but, the watch. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was also uh, an homage to it being in Thunderball originally. Oh yes. Um, mm. So uh I I liked it. I thought it was just sweet and I'd love to cruise in it one day. That is a great car. Yeah, that's a good one. It's a good one to drive around Cuba with. Um, my number two is the BMW 750i sedan from Tomorrow Never Dies. I think this is a great classic European car 
that you can remote control and drive from the backseat if you wanted to, if you're being chased and shot at by bad guys. Um, you know, and it's, I think, part of the one of the best uh, car centric scenes in, in all the Bond movies uh, that are, that isn't just a chase through said location. You actually like, it's like a cat and mouse game with him and, mm-hmm. and everything like that. So I think the, I love the way the car is used. It's not the prettiest car. It's kind of an a, a, like ugly mid nineties car, but I love the way it's used. And so that's why it's number two on my list. Um, my number one is the most predictable, but everybody likes Coke. The DB5, the Aston Martin. Classic. I'm going to go with the Skyfall one just because it's the most recent version. So based on just the way they're able to show it off, the way they're able to reveal it, it's like you already have this built in, like this is a special car. Whereas when it's previously on screen, it was just like the first time that there is a DB5. Whereas now it's like, wow. This yeah. is the DB5. Oh, here we go. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, I'm going to have to go with that. Right. Uh, surprise, surprise. My number one is also the Aston Martin <laughs> DB5. Um, I refer to the Goldfinger version. Um, same thing. Gets fully loaded. Um, in Skyfall, they reference the red button, uh, which I love. And yep. uh, this car was used in seven of the films I saw in looking it up. Yeah, wow. in the background or in other places, like it's only used, it's only featured really in like two or three movies, but then you see it in kind of establishing shots sometimes. And um, he so is frequently used, um, which is great. I'm glad you guys both picked the DB5 because I did not. Yeah, what did for you my <laughs> one for my top car vehicle that Bond drives? Is the tank from Goldeneye? Oh, of course, <laughs> duh, oh, because so it is the best action one of the best action sequences in all the movies yep you know and you know it's it's how can you beat it it's great it's a great <laughs> you know so that's all i gotta say about it yeah it's just commandeers a tank and just drives it through the heart of moscow or where the hell they are um so um we are going to move on to our next category which is mi6 members uh this is anybody that works in mi6 with Bond, that's M, Q, Money Penny, et cetera. And also if you, because there's so many versions of these characters sometimes played by different actors in different films. Yeah. We like to say, what's your favorite person in the, and in the movie you think they are the best? Yeah. So I will start. First, I just want to give a shout out to Robinson and Tanner for just being just solid guys that just give information, but do nothing else really. Um, you know, just they add a little extra to these movies in the Brosnan and, and Craig era. So um, they're sweet. Um, for me, number three is going to be Money Penny from either Golden Knight or Tomorrow Never Dies. I love Samantha Bond. I think she was a great Money Penny because she gives, she, Lois Maximo is also great, but she's too cool. Whereas, like, Samantha Bond's Money Penny is a little more like she's a little more manic with her energy. Like she kind of feels a little bit like she's just kind of she's keeping it together a little bit and she's doing it, but then she's also can spar with Bond a little bit too and and throw it back at him. Whereas like Lois Maxwell feels a little more like his mother in some ways, <laughs> if that makes any sense. So that's why I love this Money Penny and um I think she's great. So. Uh I'll go next um because so my honorable mention i don't think i'll say this right uh but 
Kermi uh, from from Russia with Love, the uh, Istanbul uh, contacts. Well, technically, uh, he's field helper, right? It, is he? I, I yes. couldn't because it, okay. E- either way, I don't count him as MI six, but okay. Uh, but anyway. he's honorable mention. Um, he's just he's a humble guy, and I thought it was delightful to watch and good part for Bond. Um, but <clears throat> excuse me, but. My number three is Money Penny, but Lewis Maxwell, uh, because I enjoyed her being the older woman who I thought was motherly. And Bond is a character who doesn't care about himself or kind of anybody and loose cannon. And she, because she's the motherly figure, she cares about Bond. And so, like, I think of Goldfinger, where she throws his cap onto the rack and so mm. bond's like speechless so she's got that charm but then in like live and let die she goes to the closet and that's tries... right she throws before hose in there yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, she she protects bond and so there's that motherly figure coming out so she's my number three um i am gonna go with money penny <laughs> well which one Samantha Bond, Money Ooh, Penny, yeah, from Die Another Day specifically. Oh, oh, because okay. it is. There's always been this strange relationship between James Bond and Money Penny, in which I can't tell if he's also into it. Are they hooking up? Are they not hooking up? Is she into him? And then there's that weird VR scene, and it yeah. it's I'll never forget it. I'll never forget that scene. And there are so few times where James Bond's uh, cohorts at MI6 just leave an, uh, uh, an impression in which I could never, ever forget uh, whether that's a good or a bad thing. And so it's going to have to be mm-hmm. Samantha Bond's Money Penny for my number three. Okay. For my number two, I am going to, I, you know, have to pick a Q. So I'm going with Q here, but there's so many of them because Desmond Wellesome was in so many movies and, you know, so many iconic moments and blah, blah, blah. So I just had to pick the one I think had most of what I liked in a lot of ways. Um, and I liked when Q went out in the field. So as opposed to just being stuck at the office. A lot of his office scenes are some of the best stuff, but I love when he's out in the field. So I went with Q and Thunderball mm. because that is the one where he's kind of most working with Bond in the field and feels like they're actually like working together and like ta- uh, as a team versus... Bond feeling like Q is kind of just a, a doting grandpa, like dragged along for the ride or like kind of stuck with him or something, you know? So I, I felt like the, the Thunderball version of Q is my, my pick for this, this slot right here. So uh, my number two was also Q and also Desmond Lenwell. Yeah. Um, and same thing, John, I had a hard time having to choose one. He is just such a joy to see in every film uh, when he's on screen. And so I had to go with uh, uh, The World's Not Enough, his final scene. Um, I thought that that scene was just the culmination of all his scenes. And when him and Brosnan are giving um, new Q. uh, R. 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 Yeah, at that time. Yeah, Yeah, uh, John Cleese. Um, A hard time. They just give this look to each other. And it's just like two old souls, like just enjoying each other's company and how, you know, he ends his last scene. It's just beautiful. And so he's my number two. Him descending down into the earth. Mm-hmm. 
Just... That's such a it's such a good scene. Never um, let them see you bleed, 007. <laughs> and always, always have, have an escape. An escape. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I never told you, but okay. <laughs> um I didn't go with Q for my number two. I went with Miss uh Dame Judy Dench as M. And I went with the Skyfall version just because it is the single most that we get uh, between Bond and M. And then hearing about how, like, she's basically been in Bond's life since he was a kid in one way or another, at least, you know, the, the government has. Yeah. Uh, and he kind of looked at her the same way he looks at his country as, like, his parents. Yeah. Um, that relationship was just so interesting. So uh, that is my that is my number two. Got it. Okay. So for my number one, I'm going with M, also Judy Dench, but with Casino Royale. Mm. Because I feel like Casino Royale was the movie. She goes to, I think, more deeper levels in Skyfall and in World is Not Enough. But in Casino Royale, I think it's like she's present a lot of in it. And mm. I think I like her dynamic with um, with Craig. And I think she, you, you're seeing a lot with her. And I, I, I this is the most M I think we get in a lot of places. So um so I enjoy M in Casino Royale. That's my top pick for MI6. So my number one was also Judy Dench, um, but I'm going to go with Goldeneye. Um, the reason is, choice. so when I was younger and watching Bonds, after the cold open, because I'm usually hanging out, playing whatever toys, and after for the next 15 minutes of Bond, I would just like zone out and play with the toys because – as you guys had mentioned in older episodes, it's just a bunch of old white Scottish mm -hmm. British people like talking with each other. But when Judy Dench comes into the picture, there's this great dynamic that starts to uh, be formed between her and Bond. And in Goldeneye, I love their brief exchange that he says, oh, your predecessor used cognac. And she's like, I prefer bourbon. So she, immediately she shuts him down. And she calls him out for being a sexist, monotonous <laughs> relic from the Cold War. And she just lays down her terms and just sets a strong tone that carries through the rest of the films. Yeah, it's probably one of their best scenes together. So, Final for me, my number one, which you guys just did your number one. So this will be the last one. Uh, it's going to be Q. And for the same reason that John picked, which is I really also like when Q gets to be part of the fun. So I went with a license to kill Q. I like yep. he has the little uh, X-ray Polaroid. It's one of my favorites. It almost was my favorite gadget. But again, it's not really used the same way. It's more like just for that sequence. It was kind yeah. of. <laughs> but um, <laughs> this, this movie was like the turning point for Q. Because prior to this, it was always about like Q is yelling at Bond. And this is like the one time I feel like they're on even playing fields. Because he also works, he leaves MI6 to do this. Right. But like pr previously, it was always like Bond was going to fuck with his stuff and Q didn't want any of it. And he treated Bond like a nuisance. And then yeah. it slowly kind of turned. And then Q started becoming like this a little bit of the like senile grandpa kind of a guy. And Bond was like the serious one. And this was like the weird place where they were like, they looked at each other as like peers, it felt like. And yes. Uh, it was like, it was basically the, the Bond girl who was the one that was kind of like, well, what is this doing? He's like, stop that. And <laughs> uh, I loved it. It was great. Um, great. So, and of course, Desmond Llewellyn. It's he, he, he and, and Judy Dench. I mean, it picking one or two, but Q is always my favorite thing. 
They were so close between one and two on my list. I it literally just saw yeah. yeah. This one was kind of a coin flip for me, especially with the top two. I was just like, okay, I just, you know, like, could be either one. It really it doesn't really matter. But he's he's such a highlight for all the old movies. Yeah, and he's that's true. and he's been in the most. So that that ultimately was the what gave it to him for me. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Do you want to start right. the next one, right? Yeah. Um, so the next category is field helpers. Right? Yes. So okay. yeah, yeah, non MI six helpers basically. Yes. And so as we established, Krimi from Karen Istanbul, Krimi. Uh, was cool. I, I thought it was fun. I thought it was good. Bond right-hand man. But my number three is going to go to Felix, but specifically the Jeffrey Wright from Casino Royale. Mm, yes. um, typically, I don't like Felix other than this one moment because I feel like Felix always just kind of shows up, almost could be replaced with any other character. But in this moment of rebooting Bond and Jeffrey Wright coming in, you're not thinking of Felix. You're not thinking of america's hand in this and he comes in and he like contributes he helps bonds plan he's active and i love jeffrey wright so mm-hmm. and my uh, felix jeffrey wright number three uh i'll go next um my number three and this is it's a one-time appearance but i had nowhere else to put this guy on the list so he had to go here it is <laughs> lazar the gun craftsman <laughs> From the man with the golden gun. I think it's, I honestly believe this is one of the most interesting side characters in the entire franchise. Yep, and they have, they're missing a serious opportunity with this character. I hope like someone's got to just like bring this to the attention of whoever's working on the next, starting to think about the next series of James Bond, because the idea of there being a sort of black market Q guy out there, someone who makes these crazy custom weapons for all the villains or other people to get their hands on was yep. so cool so it's got to be lazar that was that was one of my favorite things in the whole series was that like one scene <laughs> yeah i mean it's a good deep cut there but uh it's a great one it's one you don't really think about um but it's good um for me first honorable mention i just want to give a shout out to wade from golden eye mm-hmm. tomorrow never mm-hmm. dies um just a great felix stand-in um for a couple movies and uh yeah it's got some good lines in there um he's great for my number three like uh, Ryan mentioned with his honorable mention, it's Karen Bay from from Russia with Love. I think, you know, he's like from the classic era. It's, you know, one of the OG helpers in the field that Bond teams up with. And uh, he meets an untimely demise on the train, but uh, he kind of helps Bond throughout most of it. And so I enjoy it. And he has all his sons working for him because he doesn't trust anybody. So his whole entire business is him working with his sons. So, which reminds me of somebody mm-hmm. I will not name, but... Um, <laughs> You know, that's who it is. So for my number two uh, was uh, VJ from Octopussy. Um, I thought he was a very charming, and I say young guy, but I don't think he was that young. But um, he pops pretty young at the time. Not not like too young. I think he's probably in his like 30s maybe at that time. Yeah. Like, I mean, I say young and I... I feel like that implies like 20, but he's probably like 30, but he, he was just a cool dude. He pops some wheelies and <laughs> he gets through that mayhem of a market city area. He does work with a racket. Um, unfortunately, he gets killed Kinda by star. a star. <laughs> he gets killed by a, uh, a sweet ass weapon buzzsaw thing. Um, and I saw yo-yo to the face. Probably. That thing is so cool. 
Um, and I just, I feel like I could grab a drink with him. And so uh, VJ from Octopus Seasman number two. Such a bad name, such a good movie. <laughs> um, in retrospect, I mean, we the episodes take long enough, but we could have done the best best names, oh, <laughs> the yes. best titles, best uh, kid, cat, like kid, like girl name, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, all right. So my second one, and it is honestly almost one out for first, but it's a single appearance. It's got to be Sharky from The Living Daylights. Sorry, from License to Kill, Sharky. Oh, Sharky. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, oh, Sharky. Sharky. I forgot Sharky. about him. Yeah. Sharky rule because because Felix is basically taken out. Like he can't he can't do anything because he's been uh like his leg was like bitten off. Yeah, by a shark. Yeah. And um his wife was murdered. So he's got his boys there though. They're gonna help Bond, who no longer has his license to kill. And Sharky was kind of a badass. And like, you know, he's he, kind of the Coral's stand in a little bit. Yes. Like, because Coral is supposedly dead in this franchise. So, like, they couldn't yes. bring him back. Exactly. Um, so I, I thought he was awesome in that movie. But because because it was sort of a one time show, again, this it, it just couldn't make my number one. But I thought he was awesome. So, got to give it up to Sharky. All right. Uh, since Ryan stated uh, for his number two, it was someone he liked to hang out with and have lunch with potentially. A For me, that's the same standard <laughs> I apply to my number two, which is Columbo from uh, For Your Eyes Only. Um, you know, played by the great Topple. Uh, he is just a fun dude that likes to get drunk and seems like a great hang. And then maybe we'll go have a great lunch together and then we'll go scale a rock to go like shoot some bow and arrows into people. It's great. But um, so my number two is Columbo because he's just a, seems like a fun guy. Let's right. go on. So uh, my number one is Valentine Zerkowski uh, from GoldenEye. Um, I just I think with such little screen time he gets in this movie, he is such a big impact and he's so well established and such a well-defined character. Hey, Zira, take a hike. I mean, just <laughs> so good. And I I love him when he comes back and World's Not Enough. I'm looking for a submarine. Big my uh, captain's or no. I'm messing up the line so bad. I'm looking for submarines, big black and blue, and the captain's a good friend of mine. I don't know. I, I love him to death. <laughs> and he's my number one. Good one. And is it, what is it? No, my turn or your turn? Yeah, it'll be your turn. Yeah. So my number one, already mentioned, but he made it to the cream of the crop for me. Jeffrey Wright in Casino Royale as Felix. Uh, I mean, it's part partially just because it's Jeffrey Wright, um, not because I like the actor so much, but because the actor just always delivers a good performance. And I think it's the best performance of Felix. And it's honestly, in some ways, some of the best performances that's in the Bond franchise. Not that there's a lot of bad acting in the Bond franchise, but a lot of the character development outside of Bond is so limited. And he somehow finds a way to make all of his lines and everything. He's just, he's such a good actor. Uh, he brings a lot of life to the character that I don't think anyone else really did in the same way. So for me, Felix. For my number one is also Felix from Casino Royale. Um, <laughs> for basically the same reason. Um, I just like how he, you know, obviously great actor playing him. He kind of, the way the, the movie kind of, they introduce him, but they don't really introduce him 
and then that moment when he is finally introduced when he stops bond for with the knife and he's all like it's you know brother from lamely and that's that's you know the line where you're like yes like yeah, this, is, this is the guy <laughs> this is great um so he's great and I wish they'd give him more to do. I mean, I, when we finally get to watch No Time to Die, I hope he gets some more stuff to do in that one as well. But um, he, you know, in the in the limited amount of time he does get on the, in these movies, he does great. So uh, Felix is my number one. Moving on, next category: Bond girls. I'll uh, Bond I'll start girls. this one off. <clears throat> Ooh. All right, so. Uh, for this one, uh, my honorable mention uh, goes to Solitaire. Uh, I love her just as character, but I felt like didn't do much, and so I couldn't. She's got superpowers. <laughs> exactly, um, but I couldn't put her higher on the list. So uh, my number three is Tatiana from uh, from Russia with Love. Good one. Um, in I think you guys hit a lot of high points in your previous episode from Russia with Love, but she is a strong, uh, integral. Part of the plot i like on how she's kind of used as a pawn where she thinks she's kind of a uh, part of a bigger plan but she's not um i like the idea that she's meant to defect and she kind of ends up defecting she makes a big character arc by choosing to save bond at the end and um she's a good character so she's my number three i'll go next um uh, my number three for bond girl is I'm going to go interesting here. I'm going to go with Camille from Quantum of Solace. Oh. I think, think, you know, this is actually a pretty underrated Bond girl. Um, And what I like about her is she doesn't sleep with Bond. (laughs) She doesn't end up with them. So it it makes her kind of unique in this world. And she's a badass. She knows how to, you know, can fight on her own. Uh, I think... The actress that plays her is great. It's, uh, you know, so I, I'm going to go with Camille for my number three. All right. So before I do my number three, I have an honorable mention for Vesper Lind. Oh. Uh, I, I felt remiss not putting her on there, but it, she's so good. But for some reason, she feels almost like a set piece for James Bond to me even though she's so important to his character, especially his journey in the new movies. But it just, maybe it's the actress, like maybe, it, but so she, she never grabbed me enough to make it to the top three, but she was like just there. I'm like, gosh, the character is so important, but I have three others that I want to put above her. And the first of which would be Pam Bouvier. <laughs> who is- um, I love that name. It's such a great name to say. <laughs> and she, she's in uh, License to Kill with um bond and i mean she just kind of kicks a lot of ass you know she's like really good i like that she uses um her femme fatale on the bad guys which we don't see as often it's usually just being used like as bond's weakness but we see her use it to her strength against she uses it on wayne newton yeah Yes. So, so I think there was a lot of stuff she did in that movie, which was really good. And she was a very capable, strong woman who without Bond would not have been able to succeed. And that to me is always one of the most important things for the Bond girls is are like, how integral are they going to be in his success? So I, one thing that I always remember from her that I loved is that she's like the only person in the entire franchise who wore body armor. It takes like a huge shotgun (laughs) blast to the back. That's crazy. Yeah. 
So that's pretty cool. Uh, so my number two is Vesper Lind, um, Ava Green. I think she was great. Um, the the way her character is used um, in the sense that the Vespa Martini is made named after Bond's Martini from the first Casino Royale, and she's in Casino Royale. So like that name choice was just great. I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when she meets bond the first time in that train they size each other up so well and i love that energy between them i feel like she was like a female version of bond um and so i love that just i don't know uh opposites they had i thought she was very vulnerable when after the attack and she's in the shower and then um at the end when she chooses to like lock herself in the cage and essentially drown herself She's doing it to protect Bond, and I, I think she really cared about him. And so I thought it was really nice. And so she's my number two. Uh, my number two is also Vesper Lind. Um, I was actually looking up really quickly because you mentioned the, the, the drink, the Vesper Martini. Mm-hmm. So Ian Fleming invented this drink. And the reason why it's called the Vesper Martini is because it's named after Vesper. Yeah. The, the character. So it's like... The, it didn't come for it didn't come beforehand. It came um, from the book. So, it came well, from the book. Correct. So, so to my understanding, yeah, uh, Fleming said it in the book, yes. and then but see, I guess because I never read the book, so I didn't know she was a character in the book. Yes. And I just knew the name Vesper came out of the book. So, so I didn't yeah. Know so it. basically, in in the in the story of Casino Royale, it's and it's kind of they do a little bit in the movie too, where it's they do he basically invents the drink on the fly and then names it after her because he's like with her and they're having a conversation he's like oh, you know what? i'll name this drink after you okay and so that's kind of how the uh like but i was like you threw me off for quite a second so i'm like wait was there was it called that before you know like fleming came along and decided yeah. to look that up really yeah no yeah first. he came up with it yeah okay got it um yeah so that's i you know that's where is i think is one of the you know top love stories in and obviously top tragic stories too in, in this franchise i think eva green is great as this character her chemistry with craig is great the scene where like they're in the shower together and like just the cold water is on them and they're in their in their in their outfits and just like just reminiscing on the fact that like bond just killed those two guys with machetes um i think that's a great moment probably one of the best in the movies um but yeah so i think best friend's great and you know, one of the best. So, uh, you guys are kind of making me regret my decision. As <laughs> mentioned, but um, yeah, I I don't know if I thought about the order as much that I have here, but I'll just go with my number two. Uh, I think in retrospect, especially after you guys talking about her again, I probably would have actually swapped these two. But I'm just gonna go and say, Pussy Galore. Ooh, such a surprise! I mean, the action sequences. This woman runs just like. She she has like a gang of femme fatale women. I mean, it was cool as hell. Yeah. Um, not in some ways, not as massive of a role. Like she has a very important role, but she's not like necessarily in it quite like the a lot of the other yeah, Bond girls are. Because she comes but, in late. She basically comes in halfway through the movie. So. Yeah. But still, it was such a, again, it was like more of like, oh, this is the unique, less traditional. So I'm going to go with that. Um so I have Pussy Galore. But in retrospect, if I would probably actually put her on the honorable mention and then put Vesper because you guys were both right. She is she is so important and good <laughs> in the story. Uh, 
so my number one uh, is Natalia from GoldenEye. Um, I feel like that she broke the mold of useless Bond girl. I feel like uh, that she's this strong, competent computer nerd uh, first. Um, she's very direct. She's in control. And she just happens to be pretty. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, all the Bond girls are pretty. Um, but like, the, I feel like GoldenEye didn't focus on like making her a sexual object. And so she's very much a character. Um, and so because she delivered such a great performance and just established a great uh, Bond girl, I felt like the following Pierce Bronson's tried emulating it. And I felt like they just kept missing the mark. And so I think she just knocked it out of the park and establishes the line. That's great. Great, uh, great choice. Um, my number one is Tracy Bond from Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Like Vesper Lind, I think is like the most romantic and the most tragic story in Bond's life. Um, so I think that the story of Honor Majesty's Secret Service is great. She's great in it. Um, you know, I think, uh, one second. <laughs> While you're looking that up, John, fun little fact. Uh, that actress, she was uh, Lady Tyrell in Game yes. of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Yes, Diana Rigg. Yeah. So, uh, oh. All right, unfortunately, we, we, she also passed away this year, too. So I forgot yeah. to mention her at the top of the hour. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so we also another great one. But she is an under, like, I think because the movie was pretty an afterthought for a long time and it's now kind of coming back as a, a, a lot of people like it. Um, I think she's kind of making a comeback too with that. And I think, I think she's great. I think she's one of the best Bond girls in the franchise overall. So that's, that's why I love Tracy. That's a good one. Um, so my final one, I was going to go with Natalia, but then I was like, well, Christmas Boys with Jones, toys. Christmas Jones, Christmas Jones. Uh, no, I'm not going to go at Christmas, Jones. Um, and then on, I Christmas was like, only comes once a year. Well, but then I thought about it, and Natalia broke the mold, and then I feel like they actually did it. They did it like they just kept trying to improve on that with the following ones. Um, and then you have Wei Lin. Yeah. It was really good. But then I just remembered, man, that scene when Natalia has to climb out of the burning building. And so then I put her back at my number one after like four or five times of just like going back. She, I agree with everything you said. She, she's the best. I think all the subsequent Bond girl changes um, were influenced by her and by Pam Bouvier as well. I think she's kind of forgotten in that. Um, but Natalia not being like the way that she, you know, she was a nerd. Like, you know, she wasn't necessarily like involved in this, in the, in, uh, the way other characters are. That's why uh, I agree. She's my number one. All right. That's, that's to do with Bond girls. We're moving on to our next category, which is henchmen. Ooh, could I start this one? You may start this one. Um, all right. Honorable mention, Zhao. Honorable <laughs> mention of Zhao. He was- Is it because he's so good looking? Yes. Wealthiest face on the planet. Because, because not only did he physically seem like he could possibly take down Bond, but also he's more handsome. So Zhao <laughs> is my honorable <laughs> mention. But then my number three, it's got to be Knickknack. It's got to be Knickknack. Oh, um, good one. 
partially just because I was fascinated by discovering that they essentially couldn't get the rights to knickknack. And so that's why knickknack became odd job in the golden Knight game. Uh, but also like what a, what a bizarre character for them to write for a James Bond movie. And it stands out so much in the James Bond world. And he's like, they, they both like weirdly use him for like what is arguably like an offensive comedic relief, but also like, he's also like a scary little, like awful ghoulish man. Like he's like, he's like a, he's a scary person. Like he, he's doing horrible things and he does it with like a smile on his face. So they make him like psychotic. So I had to give it to Nick Knack. Yeah, that's a good choice. Um, I'll go next in this category. First, I want to give a shout out, an honorable mention to Stampa from Tomorrow Never Dies. Mm -hmm. Just the like, he's comes from a long line of tall, built and blonde men that play henchmen, but I think he's one of the best. Um, and he just looks so good, just firing those guns at the end. Mm. Just great. Um, and his death is also really cool at the end. So good stomper. Um, my number three, he would be higher, but be if he was just in one movie, but because he's in two and they use him so poorly mm. in Moonraker, I have to go with number three with Jaws. Um, he's great in The Spy Who Loved Me because he's like an actual monster. And it's just, is he's so good in that movie. He would be my number one if if Moonraker did not exist. <laughs> in terms of, I, it's not like I didn't like Moonraker. I just didn't like how they used him as com a comedic relief for every scene. So, so um, I had a lot of honorable mentions. You got Dario, Mayday, Zanya, Tihi, Knickknack. It's just a lot of great characters. But my number three is going to be Boris. Oh. Uh, from GoldenEye. I thought um, great cocky nerd. I thought he looked the part of it just with his flashy Hawaiian shirts. Like, I don't care. I live in my own world. Uh, you know, <laughs> I feel like 20 somethings nowadays, like, I'm going to be a billionaire. I'm going to invent the next Facebook. I feel slug like head. <laughs> slug head. Um, he flip, he spins the pen, which is great. Um, is I. I just love him. So Boris is number three. I, I didn't. I didn't even consider him for some reason. That's a really good one. It's it's right there too. It's I because remember... it's it's a twist. It's like he's a twist yeah. henchman. You don't realize yeah. that side. Yeah. Well, and when I was thinking about Anatop possibly being on my list, I don't know why uh, that didn't pop in my Boris. That's a really good one. Um, my number two, for the opposite reason of jo of John, is Jaws, uh, because <laughs> he's in Moonraker. Because as scary as they make him the first time you see him, which is true. They do make him scary, and it's very this, like, Frankenstein's monster thing. I just love the image of him on, like, the gondola in Moonraker. I love that he has this, like, Frankenstein's monster moment of, like, having a change of heart in that movie. Falls in love. Yeah, it's just such a crazy thing. And so I have to, he had to be my number one, uh, my number two, not my number okay. one, number two. Um, you are right. It, it being a joke definitely makes him not be capable of being number one though. <laughs> but it got him a um, slot for me. So my number two, I am a sucker for Supernatural. So I have to put him on here somewhere. Oh, so no. I'm going with Baron Samedi. <laughs> of course you are. For my number two. He doesn't really do much, <laughs> but the fact that he cannot die. And he keeps tormenting. Uh, and I'd love to see this guy return somehow in some way in some movie. 
somewhere. Um, but um, Jeffrey Holder's great as Baron Samedi. Uh, you know, just a weird, a weird role and a weird character in in a strange movie that, for me, just always I just love a love a ghost that somehow is in this in this world. You know, that's great. So, Baron Samedi, number two. That's a good one. Yeah, great character. I agree. I wish he was. He did more. They do more with him. Um, but so my number two. This was number one, but flip flopped. Um. And it's Odd Job from Goldeneye. Okay. Um, he's just this walking built tank. Uh, I I imagine the phrase walk softly and carry a big stick. He, he's yep. like number two to uh, Goldfinger. He's able to order around some so- subordinates, so he's got some power. Um, and then he's like willing to sacrifice himself, kamikaze style, for the mission, which is yep. really notable. Like that's what I want in a henchman. Like that yeah. that's amazing. That's true. And then he's got the iconic bowler cap to uh, break people's neck. And I threw my baseball cap around all the time after watching this and not nearly the same effect. Uh, but odd jobs in my number two. That's a very good one. He, uh, I'm glad he made the list on someone's list because I would have, that would have felt like the first miss we had as a group to exclude him, which as I'm revealing, he is not my number one. My number one is going to be Irma Boomt, Ooh. from Her Majesty's Secret Service, who I would argue is one of the most effective villains in the entire franchise. She's scarier than the main villain of that movie. And John's Bond girl wouldn't probably be his number one Bond girl if it weren't for Irma Boont killing. Correct. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that is a character that should come back, especially because she's alive at the end of the movie. That's yeah. a character that... That I, I totally agree with you, John. That's a movie that should be remade. And yeah. that character should come back. It's funny when you said Irma Boont, the first image I had was when he lifts up the curtains and thinks it's a one woman. And oh. It's just her laying there staring at him. <laughs> she's scary. Yeah, she's scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's a great choice. Great choice. Um, my number one in terms of henchmen, I'm going with Oddjob. Just because he's the OG you know, other than Red Grant, who's also kind of the OG henchman kind of role, uh, job kind of personifies the monster guy. And he's just like, he's got a bunch of cool things. He doesn't speak. He only goes, ah, ah, <laughs> and like points and does things. He can crush golf balls with his hands. He kills people with his hat. Like you said, he's willing to sacrifice himself for the ultimate mission, um, you know, to have a showdown with Bond. It's great. Um, so I, I can't really... I, there was so many obviously great henchmen to pick from. It's just like he checks off so many boxes. I just and he's the OG kind of henchman guy that like you just he's got to be a number one. So heck yeah. So well, my number one, uh, which I think I am given the grace of time to forget some of the humor from Moonraker, but <laughs> number one is Jaws for me. Nice because. Jaws, uh, he is relentless. He is the T-1000 of this franchise. He gets thrown into a building, into a gondola station. He is sunk uh, by in Atlas. He fights a shark. He goes through everything, um, and he just doesn't stop. He doesn't get a scratch. And he gets a happy ending. Um, he is just, yeah, just unstoppable. And so that's what makes him my number one. 
That's perfect. Right. That's a great choice. Um, all right, we're moving on to now our main villains Ooh. section category. Uh, this is interesting. Who would like to go first? I'll go first for this one. Okay. Um, so for mine, I guess I surprised myself a little bit in this, but so honorable mentions Goldfinger. Um, I like him as a character and uh, I like the rich billionaire doing their thing. Uh, but number three is going to go to 006, Alec Trebek. Or no, not Alex Trebek, <laughs> who we also lost this year. But um, uh, 006. And so he's a double O. Alex Trebellion. Trebek is probably. Yeah, uh, yeah Trevelyan. Okay. But Alex Trebek is probably a double O that we didn't know about. Anyway. That would be crazy stunt casting if he showed up at that, that <laughs> yard and like, hello, Bond. It's me. <laughs> you must answer it in a question. Um, so, but 006. Um, just as a character it's i mean now that it's older i guess we know who he is but like seeing it it's like the first twist in a bond um i think he just sounds weird i get he scales well into the movie um he is really diabolical and twisted on the train when flirting with natalia um and i i like him so he's my number three I'm just going to jump in after yep. you so I can say shout out to Gustav Graves. Ah. Colonel Moon from yeah. Die Another Day is my honorable mention. Nice. I mean, uh, give me a villain that gets a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with Bond where it's not like they just have one meeting at the end and there's like back and forth throughout or there's like a reveal. You don't know they're the villain the whole time. That is some of my favorite stuff. The more time you get to spend with the villain and get to know them, the better they usually are. Um, and the more you care about them being defeated and the scarier they seem because assuming they do it right, they're just more capable. Uh, and they're not just like, here's the bad guy of the day. But for my number three, I don't really have a whole lot to say because Ryan just said all of the it best. It's going to be Trevelyan. He's awesome. And just the whole concept. Uh, and not that they haven't done other ex agents or anything before, but they really did a really great job with it in, um, Goldeneye, it's classic. That's uh, that's a good one. It's a good one. Um, I want to give two shout outs. One to Electric King from mm. the World's Not Enough, just because mm. needs more women in this in these categories, and uh, she's I think she's pretty actually really good for the role. Yeah. Um, the other one is Largo from Never Say Never Again, Klaus Maria Brandauer. Um, it's not in the canon. It's not in the Eon films, but he did such a great job as like a weird, sad, but also scary villain um, version of Largo that I just wanted to give him a little shout out. And um, he's probably the most enjoyable part of that, that movie. Um, but for my number three, I am going with Le Chief from mm. Casino Royale. I just love Mads Mikkelsen. I think this is, you know, obviously it's the OG villain from the first book, you know, kind of the one that started it all. He's he's great, um, just in this movie in this role. I think he's 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 got he's a mix of both terrifying and like weak. Like he like doesn't come off as like necessarily really intimidating at times, but then he can also can be at the same time too, and his eye bleeds, which is cool. <laughs> so. For mine, number two is number two, Largo from Thunderball. 
Um, I I like his eye patch. Um, I think it's it's like a trope now, but at then you know it's a big deal. Uh, he's got a nice deep voice. I like his bakra scene with Bond. He's got a pool of sharks. Um, he's Ryan, Ryan of, do you remember Danger Diabolic, the Mystery Science Theater? Yes, he's in that. It, okay, he's the bad guy. He's the main bad guy that Diabolic goes up against. Is Largo? Okay, the same I, actor. it's the same actor. That's awesome. Yes, uh, that brings me joy. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, Largo, he's also, I think, one of few people uh, in the Bond franchise that has that uh, almost kills Bond. He's yeah. inches away. Domino ends up pulling the trigger, but uh, he's one who gets so close to finishing the job. So, Largo's number two. That is a great choice. My number two is going to have to be Scaramanga, the man with the golden gun. <laughs> I think, it, first of all, the way that they introduce him into the movie was great because it almost feels like we'd be watching James Bond, but actually it's the villain at the start of the movie that we're watching. Yeah, um, He's just this total psychopath who has this like trap island that he's built. He's got a crazy plan. I mean, just everything about him is kind of terrifying and the fact that he's capable and he also has this black market cue. Um, I mean, he like just barely missed my number one. And it's, I think mostly just because of just the more dated, like writing and directing style. It, he feels slightly too theatrical and not quite grounded enough. So he's interesting. He's just, it makes me wonder what your one, number one is then. Yeah. He's not, he's just, mm -hmm. he wasn't quite scary enough um, to make my number one, but okay. he is very capable to the point where in fact, there's a scene where, they're basically mad that like Bond is alive. They were like, <laughs> they were like, oh, we would have preferred actually you had died so we could get this thing. You were not as important as what we're trying to do here. My number two is Blofeld from Honor Majesty's Secret Service. I think the Telly Savalas iteration of this character, it's when he is a big brutish, just kind of scary dude. And as opposed to other interpretations where he's just more of like, yes, Mr. Bond, eh, eh. It's like more <laughs> just kind of like, you know, small and seedy and wormy kind of thing. Um, Telly Savas is great in, in this one. I just love this version of Blofeld. He's like the best, I think, to me, the best version of him. So I'm going with that as my number two. So my number one is going to be Silva from Skyfall. Um, I, the... When M mentions he was an ex-agent, he could have been an ex-double-O. They don't go into that. So, like, that qualification of an agent is awesome. And then he's this world-renowned hacker. So he's, like, the best of both worlds coming together. Um, and so I just assume then he's got millions of dollars. And then, like, when he's talking to Bond, he's like, oh, you want this? Oh, just uh, destroy country, millions of dollars. So, like... He has the world at his fingertips, and the only thing he has left to enjoy in life is revenge. And so as we see his plan come together, it reminded me of like the joke Heath Ledger's Joker in The Dark Knight. And so I just I thought he was uh, really great. And so he's my number one. Is it my, it's my turn, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, same number one. And what I'll say is I, I think the comparisons to the Joker are apt in a like sort of it feels like the Joker. But the thing I think that I like about him more than I like about the Joker is the Joker's 
cares more about defeating Batman. Like Silva doesn't really care about defeating James Bond as much as he cares about defeating M. Mm -hmm. He wants to get back at M and he wants to get back at the MI6 organization. Whereas like the Joker is just pure chaos. He doesn't truly seem to have a real goal in mind um, as much as it is just to like destabilize. Whereas Silva really does have something he cares about. And, and I totally agree. Like the, I mean, I always assume as well, he's a double agent partially because of what happens in, um, uh, you know, James Bond, when he gets captured in North Korea M later, it's like, why didn't you use, you know, your cyanide? cyanide. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, and then she says the same thing to Silva. Like you had the cyanide capsule in your mouth. Like, why didn't you use it? And he's like, I did. And it destroyed my jaw. Now I'm this like hideous monster. And so it had everything he it had, like, we made him sort of like Jaws. We made him the big brutish scary guy who's capable, but we also made him really clever. Like he's a, he's a, all of the boxes were ticked off for Silva as far as a James Bond villain. So we're going three for three because Silva is also my oh, number one. Ooh. And I'm only going to say this. The only reason why he's my number one is he's the only villain who actually succeeds at his plan. So, mm, okay. That's all I got to say. Mic <laughs> drop. You know, and dies. That was his well, plan. So since we got a hat trick going here, I I think it's okay to do maybe a little yeah, no, more, no, no, a can... little more praise on, on another roundabout of yeah, no, okay. yeah, yeah. is that um another thing I forgot to mention is Bond franchises uh, depicted for uh, sexism, uh, masculine te- uh, uh, to- uh, I can't say it toxicity uh, tox- toxicity, and so Silva, you know potentially he's gay or bi or you know his sexual orientation is unknown but it's this weird also uncomfortableness of like dangerous but like sexy and flirting and it's Mm. just like off-putting and it's Mm. it's cool like i'm not downplaying that or anything it's just it's an interesting thing that hasn't been shown on the screen before and it's and he owns it well and it's it's done in a very scary way which is cool it's that plus he gets his hands dirty you know a lot of these villains don't get their hands dirty they're not able to fight like trevelyan is but even then like he has a lot of these henchmen and like there's a lot standing around yeah yeah like i mean silva's like i'm gonna put on like a costume and then i'm gonna show up in a police uniform and i'm gonna go after her like like he is he's in the muck the whole time like Mm -hmm. he could have he could have left the bond house and live to another day to just attack again. But he doesn't. He's like, no, I'm just here to finish this, to kill her. That's all I'm here for. And so he he goes for it. So yeah, he's he's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's villains. We're moving on to cold opens. Yeah, these are just <laughs> the openings of movies before the t- song. I think this is the in. one other opportunity we have here for a hat trick. Oh, uh, possibly. Um, so Who wants possible. to go first? Who wants to go first on this one? I'll go. Yeah, oh, no, go no, ahead. No. Go, go ahead, Christian. Christian, you okay. go first. Um, cold opens. Man with the golden gun. <laughs> it's got to be. I mean, I just talked about Scaramanga. I saw like when that movie starts and you're watching everything go down. Like at first, I was almost like, "Are we watching like Bond in like a training sort of facility? Like, what is this? Because it, it could have been like you know, like you know, he does the VR with Q in later Bonds." Um, it felt almost like we're watching James Bond doing some sort of training exercise. And actually, nope, it's the lead villain doing a training exercise. And who is that? Oh, James Bond that he's going after. And now we've just made the guy who's going to be going after Bond for the rest of the movie seem pretty scary. 
I will go next. I'll give a shout out, honorable mention to both Man of the Golden Gun and uh, From Russia with Love because they're both very similar in that they are villain centric cold opens about them killing a a person that looks like Bond at one point, but is actually either a dummy or someone in a mask. So um, those are great. My number three, though, for best cold opens, in my opinion, number three will go to The Spy Who Loved Me just because Mm. of the stunt of jumping off with the skis into the Union Jack uh, parachute. I think it's just, it's considered one of the top best ones in the franchise just by everybody. And I just got to give a shout out to it, I think. And so I got to put on this list. So it's great. I could do out the disco, but everything besides that's great. So for me creating this list, uh, I took the time to go to YouTube and watch all the cold opens back to back to back. And it sounds like fun. It was it was pretty great. Um, and I also may have had a few old fashions to go with it. So <laughs> um, it was this interesting scale of as I kept watching, I'm like, oh, this one's better, but this one's better. So yeah. I think my list ends up being a little predictable. But so my honorable mentions um, are Goldfinger and the man with the golden gun, as we mentioned with the man with the golden gun and Goldfinger just kind of doing the fan into the bathtub. I thought it was cool. But yeah. Um, the quantum of solace start just instantly into a deep car chase i mean you compare that to the wonderful car chase car chase from golden eye that uh. christian i know love so much but like <laughs> it's night and day and ages of where we're, uh, that franchise came and it's just like by the end of that uh, opening i'm like yes let's go and so quantum of solace number three that's a good one um where the heck are we on my list okay here we go uh (laughs) my next one is gonna be the living daylights so living daylights uh not the better of the two movies for timothy dalton but the better of the two cold opens um man it's it james bond is supposed to be like someone that served in the military he's like the secret agent but we never see him going on missions often like just like sent out like that's the cool thing with the cold opens he's already like working on something so the idea that they're in this like joint training session and he's there with two other double o's and like they're out (laughs) they're in this carrier and they're gonna parachute down i'm like okay all right this is cool um and then uh oh there's some bad guys on there and they're taking out the other double o's so shit gets real really fast um this is cool. There's I, there's no other opening that like reminded me of it. It's a the uniqueness alone is what gave it's me that one. one. It's a good one. I mm-hmm. think that's a good underrated uh, pick there. Um, my number two, I'm gonna go with Skyfall's opening. Mm. Um, I think it's really good. Um, you got like just Bond. He's on the pursuit. You got this one guy who's got like a dr- like a pistol with two like drum magazines in it for no reason. You got like a motorcycle chase over a marketplace. Um, you got like a, a forklift or a crane thing being used as a train. Uh, you got Bond and Patrice fighting over what looks like backstage passes to Creed. I don't know. It's all great. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I got to go with Skyfall as my uh, number two. Uh, so a quick honorable side honorable mention is I wish that the first scene in Octopussy after the opening credits with the twins was the cold open. I, that would have been like my number two. Unfortunately it's not. And it's 
a different cold opening, but that opening would have been so sweet. But my number two is Skyfall also. Um, starts out great with a very subtle, just in this empty building. And then like Bond is trying to be the good guy of helping an agent, but, and just like, no. And like, it's just like this instantly like, oh, this is cold and dark. And like just putting you in a great mindset and then starting into the chaos and great action and uh, just just gets you right into the action again. And so uh, Skyfall number two. So my number one is going to be a Daniel Craig. It's not going to be Skyfall. It's going to be Casino Royale. I think the way that they open Casino Royale is so awesome. I think for a lot of people, um, it was like an introduction to the whole concept of what it means to have a double O to get a license to kill um, the black and white is, is just, uh, it was kind of like, we just came off of the most campy James Bond that there's been since like Moonraker. And they were like, Hey, we're back. And it's a very new tone. And we, we've got like serious, like yeah. badass bond now. So that's, uh, that's your number one, right? Yes. It's a good one. It's un- mm-hmm. it's funny because like you almost like you you gotta almost you can't because it's separated by the main title sequence because there's the whole parkour chase right after that so it's yeah. like you almost count that as like also a cold open mm-hmm, but it's sure. not yeah but the the black and white opening is is the real cold open but it's a great choice great opening to a movie um, yep overall um, my number one I'm gonna go with Golden Eyes opening uh, mm. because I just you know it's a classic action set piece you got the spy work you got just the the gunplay got the shooting stuff going on in in the in the facility you got the chase on the motorcycle and the plane you got the skydiving into the plane you got bond exceeding terminal velocity to catch up to the plane somehow um you know it's it's a great it's 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 got miniature work it's all like it's probably one of the best cold opens in my opinion to uh be on the screen here so i'm going with goldeneye Okay. Um, so for me, um, I love a single take. And so for me, Spectre is the number one because that initial cold open, we just swoop in from a crowd and we get into Bond and then just see him do his flow from the crowd into the hotel, out the building to his target. And that just sets a fluidity that no other scene had established in mm. the entire Bond fr- franchise. And just this smooth transition that this is who he is. And I don't, he, this is, I don't, it just gives a perfect frame of reference of him. Whereas we just see these cuts and it's just a totally different feeling. Yeah. And so I absolutely love it. It's a great opening scene and the movie goes downhill after that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Okay, so that's cold open. So we're moving on to we're getting down to the last few ty- uh, categories here. Next up is songs and or title sequences. Um, I'll go first. <laughs> John's gonna. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> I don't know. We might have some pretty even things here. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, first, I want to give a shout out, honorable mention to "Nobody Does It Better," the uh, song from "The Spy Who Loved Me." Uh, just a classic kind of uh, saloon type kind of version of a, just a, a love bond love song. It's great. 
I think it, it's it's one you don't normally think is a Bond song, but I think it works really well. Um, but for my number three, I'm going to go Skyfall because it has to be on this list, I think. So, um, you know, it's a great, just big, brassy, booming song that's, you know, sounds like a classic, but it's modern and Adele's great. So going to go with Skyfall is number three. I'll go next. Uh, so my honorable mentions, um, Tomorrow Never Dies uh, from the KD Lang version. Yeah. Uh, you blew my mind when you told me about that, and I wish that was it. Um, and so <laughs> my my number three um, is also Skyfall. Um, I agree with everything John said. One thing that I want to add is I think this is the only title sequence where you're moving forward. It's got this constant forward projection. And I love that where usually it's like a side swipe of going left to right. And it was just really cool seeing that innovation of going forward through these title uh, opening titles. Yeah, it's great. Unlike you guys, I do not have Skyfall for number three, but I do have <sighs> Die Another Day. It's yes. the- oh my God. <laughs> um, I love you. Thank you for putting it on there. It's so stupid, but catchy. And I just love, I just honestly, like that is a movie that they were like, you know what? We're not going to go halfway on this. We're going to go 100% of the way, 100% of the time for everything we do. We're going to go overboard and we absolutely don't need to. We're going to do it. We even did it during this movie. Like the music video feels like a like a great music video for that era. I will, I will give you the fact that the title sequence is actually pretty good. And we, I think we said this on the episode when we discussed mm-hmm. it was it's the most like pretty actually really good title sequence to crap song, but uh, so yeah, many disagree. Want, yeah, I don't. <laughs> it's not that like. Here's the thing: a lot of the songs are very forgettable to me, and this one would actually get stuck in my head. And because it has like a hook that could get stuck in my head, that which means it's like partially catchy, even if I don't think like it's something I would personally like go and put on. It, it's uh there's sub it's it's so unique for a bond song mm-hmm. so it is that's my number three it is unique I'll give you that. <laughs> my man you did what i could not it wasn't a troll john that like i truly like the amount of times that one like I as i was like, going through them all i'm like i guess sometimes i think you're just a crazy person you know <laughs> hmm um what uh, is it my turn again i'll be back to me uh, I believe so. Yeah, number two. Uh, number two, I have Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Because um, yeah. like Skyfall, I think this is the OG Bond song that really kind of set the set the mark for everybody to come afterwards. And Shirley Bassey's great. The song's great. Even the title sequence is pretty cool because it's just like it does like the imagery over gold bodies and and stuff like that. So uh, Goldfinger is my number two. So my number two is Live and Let Die. Um, it's great. I love classic rock, so I think I'm a little biased. And I was this actually was my number three, but as I was even thinking about this, it came on the radio. And so I was like, <laughs> oh, well, uh, this is, it just went up to yeah. number two. It, it still is played on the radio. It's a great yeah. song. Um, and so... Uh, the title sequence is fun that it's, it's like it's a girl and then she turns in the skull uh but the song is great so it's my number two my number two is also live and let die and for all the reasons you said and the, and it's such a good it's just a good song so many people know that song and it's not attributed to like james bond in any way 
Um, it's just a classic song at this point. But it's also, to me, not like what I think of when I think of a James Bond song. Um, so for that reason, it couldn't be number one, but it's my number two. Great. That is great. Uh, my number one is Live and Let Die. So like Ovin, you said, I think it's a classic song in itself because it's obviously Paul McCartney and Wings. So it's a great song. And that's why it continues to be played on, uh, you know, on the radio today. It's so it's like it's lived beyond the movie itself um, and is probably the greatest song that's been put into a Bond song or written for a Bond song. So um, and it's just a banger of a song. So mm. Got to put Love and Let Die for me. Number one. My number one is Goldfinger. Uh, pretty much what <laughs> John said. Uh, it's the OG of songs. Uh, great, fassy tone. Goldfinger. And then I just, <laughs> it's cool with the images on the women. And then it's like images of the film. So it's like this weird foreshadowing. Um, yeah, it's kind of what Mission Impossible does now. Yeah. Like oh. their movies it's now. basically what Skyfall did too. Yeah. Like, yeah. So. Um, so uh, it's my number one. It's great. Uh, and like you guys, so, and this is why like Live and Let Die couldn't be my number one is I, I think of a brassy song like Goldfinger as like a James Bond. Like I think of, you know, like, like jazz instruments, brass instruments, like it should have like a, like a deep trembly voice at points. But I actually went with Skyfall because I think that it's, it, it's so reminiscent in both the title sequence and the song style, but it's just more modern updated. Um, and so I've actually like listened to the Skyfall song before outside of it, probably more than I've ever listened to the Goldfinger song. And I, I kind of wanted to have a good variety. So I went with that over Goldfinger instead of putting both of them on the list. Um, good choice. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Uh, next category, Villain's Lair. Ooh. So uh, this is... Any location that is considered the layers villain, you know, where it's base of operations. I'll start this one off. Um, yeah. So for me, uh, I went with no honorable mention, uh, but I went with you only live twice. Um, I thought it was really cool having this abandoned volcano uh, hide in plain sight, essentially. Um, and you get uh, Blofeld has a pool of piranhas, which is pretty cool. <laughs> a massive facility. Um I just, I really liked it a lot. And so, uh, yeah, and he's got a uh, little machine guns on the top. So pretty sick hideout. So it's my number three. I'll go next. And I'm going to say Atlantis from View to Kill. Spy Who Loved Me? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Spy Who Loved Me. I have that <laughs> next to a different. I think you going to say his blimp from A View no. to a Kill. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, that's probably what that was next to it. That was probably my, that was my honorable mention. Oh, yeah. Okay. Zor- Max Soren's <laughs> blimp. I was like, I was like, why is this half deleted? I don't know what I was writing there. That's what it is. Okay. It was the blimp was my honorable mention. Uh, and then Atlantis was my number three. Um, I mean, come on. It's the thing that gets parodied from James Bond villains is like the silly characters. And their crazy lairs, you know, yeah. as well as their insane plans, which we'll talk about next. Yeah. But Atlantis encompasses that in a big way. I just wish there was more people in Atlantis. Like I, sure. I brought this up. It was just like, yeah. he built this giant thing and nobody's in it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why it's my number three. He's lonely. <laughs> it's a lonely guy. Um, uh, my three is uh, number three is also Blofeld's volcano base from You Only Live Twice. Um, just a, cl- you know, again, probably one of the biggest sets ever, you know, in these movies. And it's just 
great. You get you get a great final action piece with the the Tiger Tanaka's ninjas and Blofeld's men, and and it's just it's all great. Um, you know, one of the one of the better sequences. So I I love just the design of that layer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so my number two uh, was Man with the Golden Gun. Uh, a lot of what Christian said earlier. Uh, it's it's a great open of seeing his hideout. And that's just that's just like part mm-hmm. of his hideout. He's got a whole island mm-hmm. in this exotic place. Um, he's self-sufficient. Uh, he's just he's got it made. Um, and so I like it. It makes it keeps him elusive and in the shadows. Uh, so <laughs> I dig it. And so that's my number two. My number two is going to be the ice hotel from Die Another Day. <laughs> I don't know if it technically counts our lair, although they were kind of doing our base of operations from there as well. Yeah, um, I would say that, like yeah. that, 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 that geodome thing next to it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just made for some really cool visuals and like the whole, like we're flooding the room and then like, we're going to drop like just the ice caverns and everything else. Um, the whole fire and ice, you know, like we've got the heat from the sun and we're staying in this like frozen castle kind of a thing. Uh, yeah. I thought it was just cool. It was a really cool idea. And visually, it was awesome. Cool. Uh, for my number two, I'm going with Alec Trevelyan's Cuban base mm. uh, satellite dish. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a classic. R.I.P. You know, from, from the game. <laughs> that satellite yeah. just fell. Oh, really? Oh, you didn't see oh. this? Oh, no. it's wild. There's video of it. Oh, really? Yeah, it finally fell. Just yeah, it's like, it was like old, whatever, and they're just like letting it rest. Yeah. Yep. Crazy. Right. Crazy. Well, anyways, uh, the actual layer part was pretty cool. And, um, you know, just, you know, we, it's so burned into our minds because of the video game and stuff. So, yeah, such a such a great, uh, great layer. So my number one, uh, I don't know if it's really a layer, but the Spectre conference room scene, um, I would say I'm more of a classic Bond. And so I really liked the Thunderball scene of all the specter agents around the table and that yeah that's probably my honorable mention um and then when i saw this in theaters it was just a moment i'd been waiting for them to modernize forever and i think it fully delivered and i just love this one scene it just captures this essence so well so uh, specter number one conference room (laughs) that's a very good one i for my final one I'm going to go with the volcano lair that you guys have so already mentioned. Um, so there's not a whole lot to add, except I can't think of anything more just like iconic than literally a lair built into a volcano where like the ground opens up above you. The guys are like trying to come in. Just mm, execution on that was really, really well done. Everything about it. It it worked as as like a good set prop and just conceptually it is really cool yeah and they even spend time looking for it something like you don't like hear about like they're just like oh we have to discover where like the person is but not like that these people are hiding somewhere we don't know where and we're like flying around looking for it and we can't find it like yeah it's part of the plot is the yeah discovery of the layer yeah. yeah as opposed to just bond being captured and brought to the layer right yeah yeah so just basically kind of for a lot of things all right so my number one I'm going with Elliot Carver's stealth ship. 
Mm, yeah. You know, I think it's a great design place, a great action set piece. You got not only just a lot of metal and stairs, you got water, you know, like a pool down below that people can fall into and they get shot. Um, it's just like, you know, I think just visually it just looks great. It's, you know, one of my, I think, I, like think looking back and thinking about layers and just what happened and set pieces inside them. It's a great one. So going with that. It's oh, also yeah. mobile, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's mobile. It can move around too. So um, second to last category we're going to reach before we get to our favorite movies is the villain's ultimate plan. So this is what, you know, Bond discovers that they're trying to do or like what we know. And um, who wants to start off with the plan? Uh, I'll start off. Okay. So I have an honorable mention to the most psychotic plan ever conceived coming from uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. <laughs> just like a legion of, of women with a virus. Yeah. Uh, one of the craziest things I've ever heard. And um, for that reason, a similar one, which is why I got the honorable mention, the Moonraker genetic genocide that was conceived for Moonraker. Uh, to wipe out half of the people on the planet. Uh, after living through a pandemic, I could tell you that it's a very evil, <laughs> terrible thing. Um, so yeah, I got to give it to Moonraker, number three. Uh, so I'll go next. Uh, I didn't have any honorable mentions for this list, but I will go with Goldfinger as my number three. I liked the idea of uh, ruining... America's gold to make his resource that he already has valuable. It's like a weird indirect way of making yourself valuable, yeah. which I thought was cool. Um, and I, don't know, I thought it was a cool plan. Um, he, he has a scale. Yeah. He, he has his uh, gang of pilots to drop the uh, gas. And if he just upped the dosage on that, his crew would have been in and out and it <laughs> would have worked. Well, he, he just, you know, his problem was he kept Bond around to then who seduce Pussy Galore, who then switched out the gas. That's so. like all of their problem. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that one's the most, I think, egregious problem where it's like he's just kind of like he's, he's they walk him around like a dog around the around the <laughs> ranch that they're keeping him. And I'm like, OK, at some point, you just got to got to get rid of this guy. Anyways, <laughs> tangent. Um, is it my turn? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So my honorable mention is it's a basic, but it's a very spy -y, uh plan, which is from Russia with love using the lectern to lower bond out to kill him. Good one. And uh, so it's, you know, not the, not the greatest ultimate plan, but I think it's a very just spy centric bond centric plan, which is great. Um, but my third in terms of villains ultimate plan is digitally robbing London, then EMPing the city from mm -hmm. Goldeneye. So Alex Trevelyan is going to basically steal as much as he can. And then he's going to nuke basically magnetic pulse the city and erase any uh, uh, history of him doing so. So, you know, that's my number three. That's a very good one. I like how simple it is. I went with a very different theme with mine, which was more the more outlandish the plan in many ways. Yeah. Is what I, uh, just you gotta love the creativity here. Um, so, of course, next would be a view to a kill. Uh, 
<laughs> and that is going to be flooding and destroying Silicon Valley. So he would be the sole supplier of silicon chips and then having basic control over all computer technology as well as like the problem. Although we've, we've discussed this, it, flooding Silicon Valley doesn't help you because right. they're the it, ones that buy chips, not manufacture chips. Yeah. And even back then, if they were manufacturing in the U.S., which I, I'm sure they were for a point, it wasn't it, the, the whole thing is so well conceived. But I love the creativity of it. I mean, it's a great plan. It's just the goal doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Right. But and ca- so- artificially causing an earthquake is pretty cool. Yes. It, yes, it is. And also the flood. <laughs> yeah. And the flood. Don't forget the flood. Yes. The massive flood. Yeah. So I got to hand it to him for the massive flood. So for my list, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> so for my list, uh, in hindsight, I think my thought process was like more practicality of these plans. And so for my number two, you only live twice below field, uh, trying to profiteer off of Russia and U.S. destroying each other, uh, ideally making China a new superpower. And he, he doesn't care. He's, he's an arms dealer in this. He just wants to make money. And then he'll probably mess up China's plan if that were to succeed, you know. And so yeah. it's just chaos. And uh, I liked it a lot. And so uh, you only live twice and number two. Nice. That's a great one. Uh, my number two is uh, what Christian thought was crazy, which was an armor of sleep, army of sleeper agents from our Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, I think it's... It's crazy, but it actually kind of works and could be actually a real thing of, you know, it's very spectery too. just like, we're going to have our people everywhere and they, on the flip of a switch, they can be activated and yeah. do my it bidding. It was more about the whole, we're going to carry this virus thing. Yeah. Too. But like, you know, <laughs> I think we're in the age of viral of spread and yeah. things like that. And so Except just, you have to worry about, you know, wiping out your own people with that as well. Very, yeah, very true. Very true. So, um, yeah, but I, I just love this plan. I think it's a great plan. So, well, John, I'm going to have to take it from here and go to, of course, no one can forget Colonel Moon and die another day. <laughs> the most insane plan in the world. Hey, listen, North Korea is like, you're going to stop us from making nuclear weapons. Fine. We're going to make a space laser. It's going to be the greatest, the greatest space laser the world's ever seen. Uh, that is a terrifying weapon. That weapon is absolutely bonkers in that movie. Um, conceptually, obviously, it's very theoretical. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, there's things you could do that could do something like that where you could cause like damage, but um, it's they they really amp everything up by several orders of magnitude with this giant solar powered laser and i love it i absolutely love the absurdity of it good good choice uh so my number one is tomorrow never dies um mm. the idea once good again one. Pra- pra- uh, pra- practicality of we live in an age of information and as this movie came out didn't give it much credit but as time has shown it is very good to have control of information media news uh, what's published and so i think it is a very strong and great yeah great yeah great no, i think i think 
looking back on it now and even especially the age we live in right now it's like you know media conglomerates like they they their supply is drama is 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 conflict in the world that they can cover mm-hmm. so what if the head of that i'm gonna create my own supply i'm not mm-hmm. just gonna react to a thing i'm gonna create it yeah and do so to get the 100 year exclusive broadcasting rights in china that is genius so it's a great plan mm-hmm. uh so my number one on villain's ultimate plan is we've said it before uh it's nuking gold from goldfinger yes <laughs> um I think it's a it's a brilliant plan to jack up the price of your own supply and to destroy the U.S.'s own supply as well to make it worthless for thousands of years. I don't know how many hundreds of years. So it's, it's a good thing it's we got fun. off that gold standard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or else this would have happened. But it was funny. So like this is we noted it when we talked about it in the episode, but this was a change from the book. This was the book that we were just stealing it. And in this one, this is actually like a, like probably one of the greatest adaptation changes for me, including this, because it, it's such a just smart villain thing to do, as opposed to just a, a, making him more than just a bank robber, mm-hmm. you know, which is great. So. But my whole thing was, why not just blow up the gold? Well, you want to make it radioactive because you can yeah. always like the, the government can then just go just dig it, dig it out and, and remelt it and, um, you know, like and reforge it into new gold bars. You want to make it basically so that the, nobody wants to go near that. It's, yeah, blow up the gold. No, you want to make it radioactive. Yeah, no one wants That's to touch point. it. Well, if it's but if it's been blown up by a nuclear device. Well, the a... nuclear device will do that to a degree. Like yeah. it'll blow it up, but then it's also going to make the whole area radioactive. Yeah, that's fine. So like imagine what if in Chernobyl there was like gold sitting underneath it? You know, yeah. the explosion site. I like to, they, would, they would have figured out how to get it. <laughs> they would have. I, I like to imagine it as like a resource and imagine like yeah. if Matt, half the world's water supply was gone. So like kind of like Quantum Assault was doing, but less cool. Yeah. yeah. It's good. I, or I mean, or the more scene cool, is awesome. literally in Quantum Assault. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. So we were down to our final category. This is the best picture of the night. Award. Um, this is our top three best movies that we think overall in the franchise. So I will let Ryan start Ooh. first. Thank you. Uh, so this was tough, um, but definitely, definitely honorable mentions go to From Russia with Love. Uh, in listen to that episode, um, I was that friend that John was hanging out with that I push off that movie because it was a lot of talking and not much but as i've gotten older i've appreciated it and skyfall i think is probably the best beautifully shot film um but my number three is golden eye um there's a lot of things it's got going for it um other than the opening car chase and the song's (laughs) forgettable i think this movie has excellent points um you stay engaged it ramps up it's got a lot of memorable characters uh the golden eye weapons cool uh you got the video game if i didn't mention that already it's just well-rounded but also so it 
it was it was Brosnan's first, so it was a reboot, or you know, it's always a big moment when a new Bond comes in, and they just nailed it. I think uh, they just set a really good tone of like, here we're coming in again and setting a new bar, and I think GoldenEye set that new bar at that time. Should I go next, John? Yes, I totally agree with everything he just said. It's my number three, so I'm just gonna. Because I have very little I could add to that. I'm just going to give a shout out to my honorable mentions, which are going to be The Spy Who Loved Me and The Man with the Golden Gun would be my two honorable mentions because I had originally done a top five and those would have been my four and my five. Um, They're both really good. I mean, the Roger Moore era is is awesome. Um, Those are both really good movies. Uh, And I think if you're going to watch older Bonds that you haven't seen, those would be the top two I would recommend to people. Um, but yeah, GoldenEye, it has a special place in my heart, not just because of the video game, but the movie is also really, really good. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and mm, yeah, that's it. GoldenEye. Sweet. I feel bad because GoldenEye did not make my top three. Oh. But now you don't have to feel bad. I know. I don't <laughs> have to feel too bad. But it's, uh, I will give it an honorable mention because it has some of the best stuff in the franchise in it. Yes. Unfortunately, the opening car chase and that music that goes with it kind of knocked it out of my top three. Just just look the other way. Just yeah. forget about just it. Just plug your ears and, and close your eyes and it's happening. Just that music. Oh. Yeah. So it gives me chills. Um, so my number three is going to be From Russia With Love. I think it's my kind of pick from the classic era, from the old era, as a great spy movie, great plot. Um I think Connery's best performance, great characters all around. Red Grant is great, um, mm. you know? And I think it's just, it's just a great traditional spy film because it, because of the plot. And um, so that's why it's my number three. Uh, so my number two was Casino Royale. Uh, once mm-hmm. again, uh, strong reboot, same director from GoldenEye. Um, I forget his name right now. Uh, um, and then... Were you going to say it, John? Uh, I totally forgot the top of my head. Okay, uh, okay. but I'll, I'll continue for now. Um, and so strong reboot. Um, I felt like an idiot for not knowing that the barrel, the opening title sequence was the barrel of the gun. It was this movie that made me like light clicked on. Uh, you got the great parkour scene. I thought the poker scenes were great. Poker was big at the time. Mm. I went and played poker. And then I even, when playing Vegas, would always show my cards like Lashif. I thought it was so <laughs> slick and just <laughs> just subtle, but great the way he does it. Um, love the Bond girl. And then like uh, Craig here, it's his first appearance. A lot of people were very hesitant because he was blonde compared to all the other Bonds. Mm. And I think he broke the mold. Um, and it just once again set a great tone for the rest of the movies. My number two. It's gonna be License to Kill. Woo! Um, it does in the way that John was talking about Golden Eye. You know, there's uh, so the intro I think is the weakest part of this movie. Um, the cold open kind of runs a little too long, but other than that, I just. I love Q in this movie. Um, I like Sharky. I like the crazy stuff that happens with Felix, like the way that gets involved. Um, 
the Sanchez. how humanized they make Bond. This is like the most they've ever humanized Bond as like a real character. Like he's 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 like, hey, Felix, we've got a lot of history together. Of course, I'm at your wedding. Like stuff is cool. Like I like seeing that as as like a real person. And then the the actual missions, like they, they go all over the world. Um, it's a great. He's got one of one of the best Bond girls in it, I think. So it's uh that's my second favorite uh it's got one of my favorite lines in all the bond in it we sent her on a nice honeymoon (laughs) also you gotta love it when bond like is basically doing stuff uh off mission off script you know like m's like well you're not your license kills gone he's like i don't need that (laughs) and it's the only bond movie where a guy's head explodes yeah (laughs) and you got Benice del toro yeah, yeah. And, and someone also gets like dropped into a shredder. Yes, Dar- yeah. yeah. And that layer also almost made my final layers list. the The final yeah. layer was that weird very, church drug yeah. thing. Yeah, it's crazy. Very cool. Bless so. your heart. Bless your heart. <laughs> and the way he kills the villain at the end, it's awesome. Yeah. Lights him on fire. Whew. So great. Um, my number two is also Ryan's number two. It's Casino Royale, and uh, which was Martin Campbell was the director. That did Thank you. both and uh, wow. Goldeneye. Uh, like I said, probably one of the best action movies of the of this franchise. It's got some of the best set pieces. Um, the characterization's great. All the poker stuff is great. Um, yeah, I mean, there's really not much else to say. And also because it pretty, it goes pretty hand in hand with what the book plot is. That you know mm. the, the ending is great. You know with how you get this thing where you think it's over and there's a sheaf and you know, Mr. White comes in and then you think it's, it's that's over, but then there's this one last kind of twist with Vesper and um, the whole stuff in, in Venice is great too. So um, yeah. So that's my uh, number two. Casino Royale. Uh, before so I go to my, see what this is before my number one, I just also, because time had passed that it reminded me other things I forgot to mention in Casino Royale with the betting limits there's table stakes in poker and how the guy has the car keychain and is just able to up the ante is yeah. such a modern, elegant way to do that. And it was just so creative. And I love that. And then how the bartender's like, oh, how do you want your martini? He's like, do I look like I give a damn? Is just <laughs> like, it's this breaking, once again, breaking the mold of, oh, shake it, but not stirred. And then like Bond is like ready to take care of some stuff right now and it's just it, it modernized it so well sorry so there's other great. thoughts i had to go off of uh so uh my number one uh you can't reinvent the mold unless you have the mold first so you got to go with the classic stereotype that sets the standard goldfinger uh you got connery um and it, 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 how to say this you got a cool opening of him being like tricky and using his brain you yeah. got the cool plot of the gold goldfinger is a pretty he's, uh, he doesn't have any kind of face scarring or anything but he's i think devious he's got a whole uh squadron goons behind him he's got odd job he's you got the famous laser scene odd jobs hat uh pussy galore and just like all bonds, I think, start to. Sh- this is the bond formula is based yeah. off this movie, and it just sets the standard. This and so, if you had to see one movie, I would say see this. And if you liked it, then join the Bond franchise. If not, go see Mission Impossible or you know something else. <laughs> so, 
Golden, uh, so Goldfinger is my number one. So for me, and I thought about Goldfinger and I thought about maybe like, I was like, I guess like a Sean Connery movie should be, but then I'm like, I'm just doing that because it makes the mold in the way that you were saying. And I kind of like to think about it as like, when you make pancakes, that first pancake you put on is never as good as the second pancake. (laughs) It kind of has to like get the pan ready. You know, the temperature has to be evened out at like, you know, the right cooking temperature for the pancake. And so I'm going with Casino Royale because it took everything that they learned about all the James Bonds and they took all the best pieces and they put it into that movie. They introduced us to what it meant to be 007, like like what it meant to have a double O right the start of the movie in a way that a lot of people didn't uh, know. And then it took all of the side characters. It's like the best version of Felix. It's a uh, Vesper Lind is amazing. It explains where the drink comes from. Uh, you've got Mads Mikkelsen in it. Like all of the pieces were so good. And it's like one of the, it, it's easily, if not the best, like one of the best shot, like cinematography as far as the movies go. It's just like everything in that movie is so good that I, if anyone was like, oh, I've never watched James Bond, like this is the movie I would tell them to watch. And this is the movie I could probably go back to and watch over and over uh, the most. So it's going to have to be Casino Royale for me. I literally loved that metaphor you used in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's a, it's a second pancake. Yeah, that second pancake. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so for my favorite top bond movie my favorite when it, when we first started off watching all these movies technically we watched most of them over this past year mm-hmm. we kind of watched the casino royale and live and let die like a little bit before that the whole ways before that so it's been a long journey and i didn't think this was going to be my top movie going all the way um but after watching them all i think this one actually encompasses what is great about different eras in the movie itself. It's got a little bit of classic, like the Goldfinger uh, molds in terms of the plot. Um, it's got a little bit of, definitely a lot of Roger Moore in it. It's got, a, but it's also modern and everything like that. And that movie to me is Tomorrow Never Dies. I knew it. Yep, I saw it coming. I knew so it. This movie, I think if I had to put it in a weird time capsule and be like, this is kind of what Bond is to maybe somebody that didn't know what Bond was and they didn't necessarily want to watch something that seemed like a movie from 1965 and also like or older, but then it was still not that, you know, didn't know, but you know, wanted to know about it as this is, I think the movie I would do, I would put in there. Um, so it is weird to say that, but I feel good about it. You know, it's really good. And I, I agree with you. Like if you just, if you had me read the scripts, especially, I would probably tell you that that movie is, the best of the Brosnan movies like it's like the most complete maybe it's uh, not like it's like there are better moments in other movies yeah but this one I think it ha- is uh, got a lot of really good complete stuff that makes it I think just very consistent yeah. yeah yeah so mm-hmm. that is gonna do it wow that is our top what a journey oh uh, one thing I wanted to point out during our discussion that I thought was really interesting is that in all our top threes over all these categories there was only two movies that did not enter the top three in any of the categories. Oh, oh, good. Can good you guys guess which two they were? Um, I'm gonna say Octopussy did not, right? No, no I had no. I had Pussy oh, Galore. 
Yeah, that's right. You had pussy. And I had VJ as my. Yeah, that's right. VJ. Um, it, the world is not enough. No, mm, I, yep. I, I I mentioned Electric King. So mm-hmm. yeah, you mentioned Electric King. Spectre was all of the Craigs were mentioned. Oh, Doctor No. Yep. Dr. So Doctor no. no was one, and my thought process to why I think that is is you guys mentioned in your episode of talking about it is that it was the most linear. It was probably it's the a, most. It's that li- first pancake. It's the first pancake. <laughs> That's it. Craig and Christian already nailed the it's analogy. The so you know, Q's <laughs> not in it. So, but regardless, I just so Doctor No's one. Can you guys yeah. guess the other? Yeah. Oh. I mean, I feel like it's it has to be it's a Connery or a Roger Moore. So that we know that it has to be Connery or a Roger Moore, John. Yeah. Um, it's got to be. No, because we've said all the more movies. Do we set? So it has to be a Connery. Movie. It is Connery. So it's another Connery movie. It's not. It's not. Diamonds are forever. It's, it, Diamonds are forever. Oh. No, but I said I said I use the. Um, so Doctor No is the only one because I remember I said the uh, slot machine ring from Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah, you're right. That was right off the beginning. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's I, okay. So that it was, was only one movie that comment. was didn't make the cut. Yeah, and I don't think that's, that's any one. badness to Doctor No. I think it was the studio no. being very safe and just trying to choose something mm. interesting. Well, and... it was the first movie, so they didn't really know. They were kind of working things out, and right, you know, it's it's got the bones there. You know, you can kind of see it, but it doesn't really quite take shape until really from Russia with Love and then Goldfinger, like when it right becomes its thing and so when we watched it it was like you know you could see it it's a little cheap you know it's got some it's got some it could use some more money but yeah but i use some more money i like to think that throughout the whole franchise a little bit of something from every movie trickles into the best and uh, it's It's i think that's what makes this franchise stand above a lot of franchises is that you know, some errors have their ups and downs, but as a whole, it really does stand solid. Definitely. Um, Heck yeah. Yeah. So that's going to do it for this episode and this series. Uh, Ryan, thank you for coming back on to yeah. talk Bond and talk your personal favorites with us. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Like I said, I hadn't made a top uh video before and uh this was a lot of fun uh i was you know i loved hearing all your guys' answers it was fun talking through all of it and uh wanted to mention a little plug for myself that for immerse movie trivia my podcast yep um in honor of this episode i'm going to be doing a bond themed episode so if you do think you know your bond come uh, check out my episodes see if you can get uh 10 clips of bond guess right yeah, that's Murph's movie trivia. You can find it pretty much anywhere you find your podcasts. Yeah, it'll be in the show notes, right, John? Yeah. Okay. It'll be there. So yeah, yeah. Murph's movie trivia, uh, and uh, aside from the Bond episode, I mean, we do themed episodes. Uh, recently, we did one about time travel um, and uh-huh. uh, other film things uh, like runner-ups to best picture or flops, and so just a wide variety of categories. That's great. Awesome. Uh, I think what we're doing next, Christian, we're going to do Studio Ghibli movies. Yes. So, um, you know, keep listening to us. We're going to get into a new category we haven't done before, which is uh, great anime movies. So, yeah, I'm excited to explore animation in this space specifically because I actually have only ever seen one of his movies. Yeah. So 
these are there's like 25 of them that we might these might be like because they're i don't know we might we might end up just doing two a month instead of having to do one every week yeah um also that gives us more time so that we can actually like think about it and talk about it and watch them but if you have hbo max they have the entire collection on there yep you can watch um, along with us so. so yeah i'm very excited for that yeah so thank you everybody and we will see you next time <laughs> <laughs>